You're listening to a message from Spindle City Vineyard. Connect with us or find out more at spindlecityvineyard.com. And I purposely sat here in silence for 60 seconds because silence is uncomfortable. And I'm sure you guys were sitting up here like, what is she doing? Is she getting her notes ready? What's happening? I like that Dan was like, do you want to tell me a joke when I was getting my stuff ready? Because I think in our culture, we are, it's very hard to take a pause and it's very hard to be in uncomfortable spaces. It's hard to sit in that discomfort. And I think another thing that we are really not great at in our culture is sitting in the discomfort of our feelings. And today I have the pleasure of talking about lament in the book of Lamentations. And there is a lot of hard feelings and a lot of discomfort. And I just want to give a disclaimer that I'm probably going to say some heavy words. And the temptation will be to run away. I run away all the time. I understand that fully. I want to run away right now. But I just want, I wanted to sit in the discomfort of silence. And I want to encourage you that if there's a question or if you feel like you're being prompted in your heart or if you feel something stirred up, lean into the discomfort. It's okay. The Lord's growing us. The Lord is changing us. The Lord wants to do that in us. So don't take the easy way and like the shallow way of things. I think today the Lord wants to bring us deeper into who he is, deeper into who we are in him. So disclaimer, lean into the discomfort. It is okay. Okay? Another disclaimer that I have. The last time I talked about lament, Brittany pointed out that I said the words sucks a lot. <laughs> like, this sucks. Because lament does. It does. So I just want to say I'm sorry if I offend anyone. If I say life sucks, things suck, whatever. It's, not, it's the kindest way that I can say how terrible certain things are. And I just want to apologize ahead of time. But lament sucks. It really does. And, and, uh, but it's okay. It's okay. I just want to let you guys know. Sorry if you're offended. Sorry online if you're offended. Talk to Brittany. She let me up here. So, <laughs> so and, oh, and my third disclaimer, youth, you know I'm not ashamed. I have fruit snacks today. And I have a pop quiz. I don't have questions for you. I will have a pop quiz at the end. So you have to pay attention. So if you, if you want fruit snacks and you're a youth person, if you're a person, a youth is anyone under the age of 18. So our folks in the back. I mean, I have enough if an adult person wanted to have one. But either way, if you come up to me after service, I'm going to ask you two or three questions to make sure you're paying attention. And if you answer at least one correctly, you'll get a fruit snack, okay? All righty, now that that's out the way, hello. Hello, Lamentations, welcome. Um, just a few quick facts about Lamentations. It's a part of the writings of the, of the, of the, the writing section of the heap. Oh, my slides, rip. Hmm. All right, <laughs> my slides are really ugly. Sorry, I'm just looking at them. Don't look at the slides, it's okay. So quick facts, that they're a part of the writing section of the Hebrew Bible. Um, so that's basically that Song of Songs that we kind of talked about this morning. That's Ruth, Esther. These are just, um, these are just stories of what, like, kind of what was happening. And a lot of the times they read 
these stories or they read these texts during festivals or memorials or something like that. Um, Lamentations is also made up of five poems. Um, the whole book is five chapters and every, all of it is their poems. Um, four of the five are acrostics and if you're an artsy-fartsy type of person, an, an acrostic is the Hebrew alpha, their Hebrew alphabet poems where every line and verse begins with the next letter of the alphabet. So it's kind of like A, B, C, D to the end of the alphabet. Um, and it's really cool because it's like the person that was lamenting had so much, like had no control over what was happening on the outside world that they were like, let me take control here. Let me take control in this and like A, B, C, spell out my morning A to Z um, for the first four chapters. Um, I was laughing because how many times have we done that where it's just like life is insane and you're like, I just need to find control of one thing. Like, if I, and like for me, it's cleaning low-key. If, if I am super stressed, my house is ridiculously clean. It's, it's stupid. Um, but regular, I'm like, why can't I have it clean all the time? But genuinely, it's like, so I understand that idea of like, oh my gosh, I have to like, hold, I have to get everything together. Um, a lot of people think that Jeremiah wrote Lamentations. There's not enough proof to say that he didn't, but there's not enough proof to say that he did. So uh, a lot of people kind of equate the two together, but um, the, there's actually an unknown author, and I think that was purposeful, um, just so that way no one could kind of be like, this is that person, I think, because lament is such a huge part of our life, and it needs to be a part of our lifestyle that I think it's a good thing that we don't actually know who wrote it. It's just someone that was feeling their feelings in that moment. And it's also read on the uh, Jewish holiday Tisha B'Av. Um, it's a day to remember the destruction of Jerusalem, the burning of the temple, and the terrible persecutions of the Jewish people. Um, Lamentations is firstly a book about present suffering. And I just want to make that very clear, that God cares about your suffering in the present. And I know we are living in a crazy time. It is crazy everywhere. And I just, before I get into everything, I want to remind us and I want to reveal that God is present in our suffering, in our lament, in our grief, in our mourning, all of it. God is present in it. And the, and the evidence of his caring about that is in the book of Lamentations. So, Lamentations is not the only place where there is lament. There are other lament texts in the Bible. Um, they're in Psalms, they're in the prophets. Uh, Habakkuk is like one whole book of, of lament. But um, other, texts in, other lament texts in the Bible draw, draw God's attention to injustice, suffering, and grief. Um, they voice frustration, angst, confusion. It's a way to process your emotions, and it's an act of faith or a form of praise. This is such a huge bit of the Jewish culture, and I think sometimes, especially in Western, we miss it. But it's such a great way, like being able to share what's truly on your heart and what you're truly feeling is not only good for your soul, it's just, it's just, it's good for you, like period. It's just something that we need as, as human beings. Um, with lamentations, however, the, the lament and lamentations is unique, it's raw, and it's honest. And uh, I, <laughs> so 
okay, you guys know I like to equate things to like pop culture when I'm up here. So how many here have seen the show The Real World? It's a reality show from like 90s until now, I think. It's, it's still on, right? Yeah. No, I think it might be. I'm not sure. But so I was thinking about how Lamentations kind of fits in the Bible. And uh, I was like, oh, I immediately thought of the real world. So if you don't know what the real world is, it's, a, it's one of the first reality shows of all time. It came out in the 90s, and it put seven strangers in a house uh, to live together and have their lives taped uh, to figure out what happens when, stop, when things stop being polite and start getting real. <laughs> real world. That's the first cast of the real world. So that was the first of its kind because we are so used to reality TV now. It's like any, we don't even have like fictional shows anymore. It's mostly reality, reality TV. Um, but back in the 90s, that, this was the first of the first. And it was the first time that you could see strangers of different people, different backgrounds, and really see them raw, uncut, see them, like, see their feelings, see what they were going through, and people were just very struck by that because you could, like, get an insight into what the reality of the time was. And Lamentations is that. That is what is happening. So the Lamentation real world, that's my, the Lamentation world, that's my favorite. But genuinely, that's what was, that's what Lamentations is in the Bible. I'm going to read kind of a background of what was going on, um, but this time in Israel's history was dark. It was, it was full of grief and suffering. It was the most significant part, the most si significant part of their history in the Old Testament at, to that point. The whole t Testament kind of like led up to this bit because God kept saying, if you don't listen to me, if you guys can't obey me and love me and stop worshiping other gods and stop putting on injustice for other people, I'm going to have to remove you from the land and I'm going, like, that's just what's going to happen. And their whole land, everything that they knew was destroyed. So I think the only thing that we could probably equate it to would be, like, 9-11. But, like, for them, this was, like, their 9-11, but, like, times 10. So... We get, there's like, because, you know, there's a difference. If we were to talk about 9-11, there's a difference between reading about 9-11 and being a, in it. And we all know where we were that day. We all know what was happening. We all know how we were feeling. And Lamentations is that. It's the, this is what we're seeing. This is how we're feeling. This is the, this is the feelings that are coming up in that. So I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to read the Bible because that's important. And then we're just going to see where the Lord brings us. <sighs> Lord, thank you so much just for... Thank you for who you are. Lord, I want to... I want to wait on you. I don't want to move or go anywhere that you don't want me to go but I also want to be obedient to where you want me to go for the sake of this body here today. So I ask, Holy Spirit, that you continue working. We know that you're here. And I just ask, Lord, that you help us to see you. And I also just ask, Lord, that you help us to go to these deep, dark places that we might be afraid to go. 
But I pray, Lord, that we just sense and experience your presence and let and may we just know that you are holding our hand and walking with us there, that you are there with us. Thank you, Jesus, that you are God with us. <laughs> so we all humble ourselves and we just focus our eyes upon you. Any distractions, any craziness from the week, any heaviness that we might be carrying, Lord, that's okay. We can sit in it with you. And may we be able to hold those things but focus on you at the same time. In Jesus' name, amen. So, real world lamentations. I'm going to read. So we get the story of, sorry, I did not print this, so I actually have to pull it up on my Bible app. But the story from Lamentations comes from 2 Kings, um, 2 Kings 25. Just give me one second. And you can also find it in Jeremiah, but I'm going to read the 2 Kings. So I just want you to close your eyes for a second. And as I read, I just want you to kind of put yourself in the place of just a person, a Jewish person that might be experiencing what's going on. 2 Kings 25. So on January 15th, during the ninth year of Zedekiah's reign, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon led his entire army against Jerusalem. They surrounded the city and built siege ramps against its walls. Jerusalem was kept under siege until the 11th year of King Zedekiah's reign. By July 18th, in the 11th year of Zedekiah's reign, the famine in the city had become very severe and the last of the food was entirely gone. Then a section of the city wall was broken down. Since the city was surrounded by the Babylonians, who were their enemies, the soldiers waited for nightfall and escaped through the gate between the two walls between the king's, the king's garden. Then they headed toward the Jordan Valley. But the Babylonian troops chased the king and overtook him on the plains of Jericho, for his men had all deserted him. They captured the king and took him to the king of Babylon, where they pronounced judgment upon Zedekiah. They made Zedekiah watch as they slaughtered his sons. Then they gauged out Zedekiah's eyes, bound him in bronze chains, and led him away to Babylon." On August 14th of that year, which was the 19th year of King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon's reign, the captain of the guard and official of the, Babylon, of the Babylonian king arrived in Jerusalem. He burned down the temple of the, Lord, of the Lord, the royal palace, and all of the houses of Jerusalem. He destroyed all the important buildings in the city, and he supervised the entire Babylonian army as they tore down the walls of Jerusalem on every side. There's more. But could you imagine being an Israelite during that? If we were here, that's like people coming in, burning down the White House, burning down every church, burning down every house, 
And I think I just wanted to point out the heaviness that comes from destruction and displacement and war because we don't, we don't understand that here. But there are people in this world currently right now who are experiencing this. Their walls are being torn down, their houses are being burned, their death and destruction. And sometimes I think, and I think it's part of our coping mechanism, we'll be like, you know, we're, and we're so far removed. We'll be like, oh, well, maybe, oh, we don't, that policy, though, you know, those policies, they, it's, like, it's like, oh, they deserve that. Or, well, you know, they're used to it. They're always in war. That, that's always happening. And I think we as the church need to have so much more compassion and empathy when it comes to these types of subjects because we hold the hope that people need in these moments. But also the Bible calls us to weep with those who weep. And we are blessed to be in a place where we're not constantly at war. But that doesn't mean that we get to ignore it either. So there's other things I had planned, but I just I want to take a minute to pause. And you can close your eyes or do what have you, but like I said at the beginning, Lamentations is first a book about the present grief of people. And I know that there is lots of strife and conflict happening in Israel right now, in Gaza. And I just, I'm not going to take a stance or anything like that, but I do want to, because this book is a book about honoring Grief, I just want to take a moment of silence for those who are grieving right now during that conflict and who are grieving whatever conflicts are happening in the world to give them that honor and respect that they deserve. So let's just pause. So Lamentations, again, is just a book about feelings, real feelings that are raw and unique and honest. And like feelings, the book is not linear. So one minute you have someone complaining, and then you have them crying out, and then you have them blaming God, and then you have them blaming themselves, and then you have them, you know, saying, oh, wait, but there's hope. And then there's like, but also there's so much grief. It's just like be up and down and all around, the up and downs and all arounds of our feelings. So I couldn't, because I like to have things like pointed out, but I couldn't really find certain things. So I wanted to kind of bring up some of the 
themes that are being lamented in Lamentations. One of the things that people are being raw and unique and honest about is their circumstances. The circumstances, as I read, were terrible. They really sucked. And uh, a lot of the laments are explaining what is going on, what is happening. Kids are starving in the streets. Men are being taken off into slavery. Women are being raped. It's just like all these things that are being described, and the person is just obviously distraught about it. Another way, another thing that is brought up is their suffering. How terrible you're feeling. I am distraught. I am downcast. Why, Lord? They're honest in their suffering, even though they're like, uh, like they, just, they don't know. They know that they're talking to God. And I know that sometimes I, I'm a person where it's like, if I'm going through something, I kind of like to keep it to myself and be like, oh, it's fine. I'm okay. It's good. It's good. Not here. These guys are like, we are suffering. What is happening? Why is this happening? And then the third thing that they are unique, raw, and honest is in their sin. The reason that Babylon took over was because for hundreds and hundreds of years, the the Israelites didn't listen to God. And he gave them chance after chance after chance after chance after chance. And eventually his justice had to come. And they were unique and raw and honest in saying, because we didn't listen to you, because, because we decided to do our own thing, our sin has caused this. And I want to be very careful because we live on the other side of grace and we do have Jesus. And I don't want anyone to sit here and think like, oh my gosh, am I suffering because of all the sin that I've done? Am I did Like that's not the point that I'm trying to make. I just want to make a point that in our lament, sometimes we do need to be honest about how we're sinning. Because we do sin. Like there's no, you know, there's no question. You know, we shouldn't watch things we shouldn't watch. We shouldn't say things we shouldn't say. We should do things we shouldn't do. And, but I think sometimes it's, scary to be honest about what those things are and how those things are affecting our lives. So I'm going to read just a little bit of Lamentations, and I just want you to take, to take, a, take out where you see people are, are lamenting about their circumstances, circumstances where they're lamenting about their suffering and where they're lamenting about their sin. And again, if you want, you can close your eyes. I'm just going to read chapter 1. Jerusalem, once so full of people, is now deserted. She who was once great among the nations now sits alone like a widow. Once the queen of all the earth, she is now a slave. She sobs through the night, tears stream down her cheeks, Among all her lovers, there is no one left to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her and and have become her enemies. Judah has been led away into captivity, oppressed with cruel slavery. She lives among foreign nations and has no place to rest. Her enemies have chased her down, 
and she has nowhere to turn. The roads of Jerusalem are mourning, for crowds no longer come to celebrate the festivals. The city gates are silent, her priests groan, her young women are crying. How bitter her fate. Her oppressors have become her masters and her enemies prosper, for the Lord has punished Jerusalem for her many sins. Her children have been captured and taken away to distant lands. All the majesty of beautiful Jerusalem has been stripped away. Her princes are starving deer, searching for pasture. They are too weak to run from the pursuing enemy. Jerusalem has sinned greatly, so she has been tossed away like a filthy rag. All who once honored her now despise her, for they have seen her stripped naked and humiliated. All she can do is groan and hide her face. She defiled herself with immorality and gave no thought to her future. Now she lies in the gutter with no one to lift her out. Lord, see my mercy, she cries, for the enemy has triumphed. Could you see the different ways that they were being unique and honest? In their lament. And I don't know, is Johanna here? Did she leave? Okay. Okay. Um, I had a little exercise, but I'll wait till she gets back. I just want us to take a pause again. Because I know that I, I know I came in here heavy. And I know that this week our church leadership was talking about it. The past couple of weeks have been really heavy for leadership, for our church, for people that are here, people that we know. So I just want to take a pause so we can just sit and reflect on our circumstances, sit and, and reflect on some of the suffering that we've been kind of going through, and maybe even sit and reflect on some sin that we might need to face. I wish I could go through like the entire book of Lamentations because it's it's heavy and raw, but it's really good. So I encourage you to read this outside of here. But I wanted us to reflect on some of the ways that we are struggling right now. Because at the end of what I read, it said the enemy took over. And I think sometimes we get so bogged down by things that we think that the enemy has won. But that's not true. Even in the midst of our suffering, even in the midst of our grief, and trust me, it, it gets heavy 
and overwhelming, and sometimes we do feel like we're not ever going to get out of it. There is still hope at the center. And with the Book of Lamentations, it's suffering, suffering chapter one, suffering chapter two, suffering chapter four, and suffering chapter five. But in chapter three, there's a smidgen of hope. It doesn't take the whole chapter. It's just a little bit. And I found that so interesting because it's almost like, again, the author was like, I'm not going to lie to you. Everything is the worst and everything sucks. But even in the midst of it, even in the middle of my suffering, I still see who God is and I still see the hope that he brings. And I'm going to read because this, this is something that a lot of people know this, these verses. And it's probably the only verses that people know from Lamentations because people tend not to want to read this. I wonder why. But I want to read what the author says. And he says, I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope. I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And it is good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of his discipline. Hmm. Even in the midst of the chaos, there was still hope right in the middle. And I also want to point out, and I said it before, we are in the age of Jesus. God is our hope. He is good. He is safe. His love never fails. He is faithful. Even in the midst of our suffering, even in the midst of our circumstances, even in the midst of our sin, he is still faithful. And his faithfulness is shown in the person of who Jesus is. There's questions, there's a lot of questions that are posed in Lamentations. And which is a good thing, because you're allowed to question. That's okay. But one of the things that they talk about is Lady Zion and this man and kind of the sufferings that this, that this man and Lady Zion are coming through. But if you read in Isaiah, you hear about a suffering servant who goes through the same exact things that Lady Zion and that the man are going through. Jacobo, can you put up the next slide? 
Lady Zion walked in darkness. The suffering king walked in darkness. Lady Zion and the man offered their cheek to be struck. The suffering servant king offered their cheek to be struck. Lady Zion and the man were struck, pierced, afflicted, and crushed. The suffering servant king was struck, pierced, afflicted, and struck. Lady Zion and the man were cut off and buried. And the suffering servant king was cut off and buried. I wanted to point this out because the faithfulness of God is shown in the person of Jesus because Jesus has gone through everything that we've gone through. So that makes him safe. That makes him empathetic to us. That makes him understand us. That makes him the ultimate hope for us. And that makes him the person, the safest person to go to when we are suffering because he gets it. There's a quote that was just skipped before, and it says, I don't like to read books. I don't like to, well, that's, that's true. I really don't like to read books. But there's a book about, that I read preparing for this. It's fantastic. It's called The Message of Lamentations, if everyone, anyone ever wants to read it and get more deep into lamentations. But they said, the author said, Jesus not only wept like Lady Zion over Jerusalem, like her, he also suffered desertion by his friends, mockery from his enemies, and apathy from passers-by. Like her, he was stripped naked, publicly exposed, and humiliated with none to comfort. Like her, he suffered all this at the hands of, of an implacable foreign enemy wielding idolatrous imperial power through blood and brutality. And like her, he became unclean, defiled by sin, that was not his own, but because God made him sin for us. And I highlighted these yellow words because I wanted us to look at it. And where do you see yourself here? When have you wept? When have you suffered desertion? When have you been mocked? When have you been stripped naked and publicly exposed, humiliated, with no one to comfort you? When have you suffered? Jesus gets it. Those places, those deep, dark places where you're like, ah, I want to pretend like that never happened. I want to pretend like I never feel that way. I want to pretend like, um, I don't want to go there. I believe that the Lord is inviting you to go there today with him, to lament those things with him, to bring those things to his hands because that is the safest place that those feelings, that suffering, that grief, that mourning, that's the safest place that it can be. Jesus is present to help us face our deepest wounds because he understands it. 
And Jesus has the power to heal our deepest wounds because of his finished work on the cross. We don't have to do things on our own. Praise the Lord. So with that being said, I just, Johanna, we'll do the exercise now. Johanna's going to pass out some index cards. I know for me, I do better when I write things down. You don't have to if you don't want to, but if it would be helpful, please do. And I just want us to take a minute to reflect on the things that have been said today, but I want you to take a, a minute to reflect on a deep, dark wound that the Holy Spirit is highlighting right now. And I want you to write it down. And we're gonna ask the we're gonna ask the Lord to meet you there. I was asking the Lord um, if there was anything that he wanted me to share personally from my life. Because you know how I love to be vulnerable up here. And the past probably month has just been really hard for me. I have just been dredging up a lot of stuff and the Lord's been healing a lot of stuff. And... I won't go into like crazy details, but as you guys know, I've mentioned this from, from up here before, my father passed away when I was a kid. And as a child, I remember wanting to be strong and not really allowing myself to mourn his death. But recently I've been like processing stuff and realizing that a lot of a lot of some weird stuff that I do is because my dad was not around. So I was like, all right, I think it's time for me to like deal with this. And it's a deep deep cut of a of a wound. <laughs> But I know, as painful as it was to look at my father's death, the fact that I didn't have a relationship with him, the fact that I pick really bad people to date because I didn't have a father figure, the fact that I had to ask a lot of questions like, why, Lord, why me? Like, why didn't I have to have a father? Why did I have to grow up in a single parent home? Why, like, why me? And for a while, I thought, am I being blasphemous? Like, should I even be asking God these questions? But in those moments, he showed up and he said, I'm safe. 
you can talk to me about anything. I'm here with you. And even though it's painful, I'm sitting here with you. There's a, when I was in a youth, when I was a youth myself, there was someone that talked about how Jesus sits in the sandbox with us. And that always stuck with me. And while I've been going through this really difficult time, I just imagine Jesus sitting in the sandbox with me. And while I'm lamenting with you, and as you write this down, I just want you to imagine Jesus is sitting right with you, sitting in the sandbox with you. And he's saying, let's go there. Because while it was really hard for me to deal with the stuff about my dad, I know that I am free. I'm at a new level of freedom for myself. I'm at a new level of healing for myself and things that I thought I would never be able to be healed from or I never thought, I was like, well, that's just how I'm gonna be for the rest of my life. Jesus said, nah, I actually have better for you, but we gotta deal with this if we're gonna get there. So let's just take just a minute or two to allow the Holy Spirit to come and to speak to you.